1: This is Bill and Tanisha with the Recovery Hour. As we always say, we have a real treat for you, but guess what? The treats are getting bigger. They're no longer Scooby Snacks. We got big treats for y'all today. And anytime I see Chad, the first thing I think of is to make sure you hit the record button. But uh, anyway. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Now, Bill, I was going to ask you,
2: did you hit, did did Tanisha remind you to hit record button? That's
1: the way mastery level peer support works, Chad. That's right. That's right. right. Remember, you're like yes, I remember. You know, and uh, you can even take credit for it. Like I remembered. Anyway, with that being said, I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedules, and and also I want to thank you for doing this. Absolutely,
3: my pleasure. Our pleasure.
1: This is monumental, and and I know that in our day to day and, and. Things that become day-to-day for us, we forget sometimes are monumental in the movement and in the lives and the perceptions and the change process of other people. I have this privilege all the time because I get to hang out with you guys and talk stuff, you know, and yeah, you know, and, and I, I think sometimes people don't understand why that is such a pleasurable experience for me. But having lived for 50 years on the other side of that paradigm, and I mean the total other side, once you come across and you're living in the light, it, it is a virtual fairy tale experience. It, it is, it's like living the dream. It is a miracle. And to be on the inside of a miracle looking out is this incredible thing. And I do it every day, even when I feel like I feel today is still a privilege. Anyway, with that being said, Tanisha, could you say hi to all the people out there in radio land?
0: Good afternoon to all of our listeners, um, all of our followers. I'm excited about the partners that we have on the show today, and I am just grateful to be here another week with you all for the show. Yes,
1: and I would be remiss if I didn't shout out to our sponsors, the Stepping Up Initiative, to our fearless leader, Commissioner Doreen Williams, who is the tip of the spear. Without her tireless efforts, we probably wouldn't be here doing this like this. And for the monumental movement that has taken place on so many different levels of our community, from the top of the government to the bottom, to the people in the jails, man, to the people in the streets, to the people that, that are laying on cardboard. And, I, I'm, you know, it's just a privilege to just be here. Today we have with us Deputy Chief Freeman and Chad from and That's an understatement when you say Chad from Chad, what is your... What is your technical role there, man? Like the well, my technical,
2: my—I don't know about that. My technical title this week is <laughs> vice president. I'm vice president for business development. But you know, they add more and stuff all the time.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. That, that's like my title. They take stuff out when it's time for the contract, and then when it's time to go to work, they add stuff to it. Anyway, uh, like I was, like I was saying before this is such a monumental thing. So I want you to introduce yourself and I want you to tell the people why it was important for you to be here today. And I'm going to start with you, Chief.
3: Well, it's great to be here, uh, Chad. It's good to have you. So, you know, for us, it is as, as the police department, we are, uh, we're really operating outside of what our normal what the traditional policing paradigm is when it comes to dealing with those who are in mental health crisis. Uh, Typically, people see us as the agent of arrest, regardless of the situation. And we are one of just one of seven or eight agencies now that have launched a co-responder program in partnership with Viewpoint Health. And our goal is, is very simple. It's to Get people that are in mental health crisis and or who need other services, whether it may be alcohol or drug related, to head them off before they wind themselves up in the jail. Typically, that's not what you find the police looking to do. And it's important as we have taken on this endeavor to let the community know what we're doing as a department. We're fully committed uh, to that endeavor and to get that word out that uh, this is one path that the police department is, has undertaken in order to make the community safer. And I think that Chad can expound on that. But, you know, for us as the city, uh, I I totally agree. Commissioner Williams has absolutely been the torchbearer for this county uh, at the county level. And on the city level, since it's the city of Conyers, We could not, as the police department, have moved forward without a very supportive mayor, which is Mayor Vince Evans and our city council. They have been behind us one hundred percent as we really look to change the the policing model when it comes to this particular area and which we so heavily respond. And I believe it's making a difference. And I think we'll touch on some of that today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, we've been doing this show, this is like our what, sixty-third, sixty-fourth show, and we are used to y'all. Coming on here, man. You know, and when I say y'all, you're like, damn, that sounds discriminatory. But it's not. I'm talking about y'all who are really smart people. And before we ask you any question, y'all answer all the questions that we were going to ask. for one question, right? But anyway, what, what I wanted to ask you, we're gonna kind of go back, because I want I want our listeners not just to have that extreme technical experience, because it's important that they have it and understand it. But I want to take them way back. Because I want them to have a human experience and I want them to have a spiritual experience too. So what I want to do is I want to go way, way, way back. And for different ones of us, it's different amounts of time. But we're going to go way, way back and to the beginning when you guys and ladies were little kids. When you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Let's go back there. Because then people ask for people, people can kind of yeah, like, oh. definitely,
3: Definitely for me, I've always wanted to be a police officer. Uh, yes. Even uh, oh. even when I was uh, in elementary school, my third grade teacher, i rem- my mom has always told me, my third grade teacher said, if there was ever going to be a police officer, it's going to be oh. Scott. And I, I can't remember ever wanting to
1: be anything else. <laughs> that's good stuff. And Tanisha. When you were little, what did you want to be when you grow up?
0: I know I've shared this on the radio before, but I haven't shared it with you guys. And it's interesting, but I wanted to be the first female NFL player. I wanted <laughs> to play football. <laughs> yes, yes.
1: Boy, she's there too. Chad, when you were little, what was it that you wanted to be when you
2: grew up, Chad? Man, man I wanted to grow up and I wanted to be Bill Carruthers. That's what I wanted to be. Bill Crow.
1: That's how you ended now, my up. Dad, in the my dad,
2: of Bill. my dad, my dad, that's what put me in the middle of health. I tried too hard to be a Bill. Now, my dad was a Southern Baptist preacher, and I remember being young, and I'd get up there and act like I was preaching. And, and some people say I still got that skill set a little bit, and I am ordained. I've done one wedding. They separated for a little bit and came back together. So I'm still batting a thousand with my one wedding.
1: <laughs>
2: so I was like, "Dear God, bring them, bring them back together. Let them reconcile." So I can at least bat a thousand. But I've got one wedding, and and, uh, and then I have preacher. But that when I was when I was growing up, I wanted to be a preacher. You
1: know? Wow, and that's so, that is so incredible. Because when I was little, when I grew up, I wanted to be James Cagney, right? So and we see that we all fulfilled our dreams. <laughs> We all fulfilled our dreams and then some. Um, So this is another thing that I wanted to ask you guys because you guys, and I, I know you guys are really humble and people may not realize this, but you guys are on the cutting edge of changing the way this community looks, feels, operates, recovers, and experiences a lot of different things. Chad, you're at the cutting edge of the whole mental health, conglomeration and how that becomes a mesh with all these other things. Uh, and Scott, you're on the cutting edge of policing and, and the integration of community safety and service and all that. And I'm on the cutting edge of recovery and, and how that recovery community starts to interact as partners with these systems. And Tanisha, you're like the creative consultant thing that puts all this together in different, different formats and different visuals and different audios and different Things as well as the voice and the face, and 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 so let me ask you this, y'all: how how do you feel, see, and experience change as it exists today versus what it once was like and what it's like now, and how does that feel to you?
2: Jay? Well, I think that yeah, I think for, for us, the the change, you know, change is always going to happen. You know, you're going to have that no matter what. That's the one constant they always say is change. Um, for us in the behavioral health world, we've had more eyes open over the last several years. It might have something to do with suicidality rates. It might have something to do with, uh, honestly, this pandemic, you know, you have the World Health Organization said, really, the new pandemic is mental health. Um, So as people become more and more aware of their own mental health, as they become more and more aware of the mental health in their family members, Uh, they that resonates to obviously mental health concerns in the community. So we have actually had a lot of welcome change that people now are looking and saying, hey, mental health is not just getting a counselor and and talking to people about emotions and mentality, maybe get a little medication. Mental health is what are you going to do about employment? What are you going to do about crisis situations like where we work with Scott and, and respond to people in the streets? What are you going to do about people's housing? Uh, because mental health and housing is different than just, okay, here, go get an apartment. What are you going to do about all these kinds of things? And they come together for a holistic approach. So over the years, we have seen much more continual care and a more holistic approach to to mental health than we've ever had in the last 15, 20 years.
1: Yes. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, And Scott, for you, what has this change been like, felt like? Kind of give us your experience.
3: Well, first of all, it's been phenomenal. We have, you know, as a police officer in the 90s and, you know, all the way up until here, until we started our co-responder program, our hands have literally been handcuffed. And I and I use that terminology and phrase because that's what it's been. We have not had the resources to be able to adequately provide. So, So when we talk about change in law enforcement, um, this is a huge change. Uh, we have never had a co-responder program here at Conyers. And back in 2020, we started seeing a lot of different instances, calls for service uh, that uh, were involving the mental health component. And typically, our traditional, as everyone knows, our traditional response and our only avenue has been to affect an arrest and take him to jail. And I don't know of anybody who would say that that is the appropriate thing to do for the, someone who's in mental health crisis. So, you know, there are, there are certain times there, you know, we have to explain to people sometimes a, an arrest has to be made. If it's a family violence case, uh, those arrests have to be made because we're required by law. But a lot of times what we have, what the path that we have gone down is to be able to, uh, to head that off to be able to intervene with our mental health clinician from a viewpoint, to be able to respond out, and to hopefully keep those individuals from being arrested. And that's a huge change from what people see in law enforcement as our response. Um, And it's been very well received within the department. We actually started our research in 2020 at the request of a lot of our line level officers. So they drove this change. We looked at the data. And we thought how can we do a much better job at providing service and ultimately the end goal is number one to save lives to keep people safe and to get them the appropriate care because we all know the jail is not necessarily the best place it is not the best place um, so change has been very well embraced it's uh we have just expanded our co-responder We're in the process of doing that by adding a second clinician because we have had phenomenal success in working with Viewpoint.
0: We would like to thank our leader, Commissioner Dr. Doreen Williams, the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, along with other numerous partners and stakeholders that are taking the initiative to create change for the Rockdale County Recovery Community. We know that it takes all parts of a community to carry out this vision And together, we are stronger.
1: Wow, that is so incredible, man. I, I, uh, you know, and and for me, the vision of change is so extensive because it's personal, it's professional, and and now it's like global, you know, so many, I see, I hear so many people today, I'm coming into contact with people and people are reaching out to me from all over. And, and, you know, judges are reaching out to me. You know, I was talking with Larry Branson. Scott, I don't know if you've ever met. Larry Branson used to be the chief up in Savannah. And um, I remember when we were doing the original Opening Doors to Recovery Project. And I remember sitting down with him. And I had never sat down. And that was, I had about two years clean. And um I had never sat down and had a meal with the police chief before. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, me and him were talking, and we traveled a couple different places because we did speaking engagements together. And, and him and I would sit down, and we were having these dialogues, and, and he's a very spiritual man, uh, really a nice guy, and, and he just really messed up my whole depth perception. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He just messed it up. Messed up is the best word we can use because we're on this thing, you know, and and, and he messed it up, you know, and, and it, it caused me to start taking a look and, and changing the cultural phenomenon and understanding that people are in this cultural vacuum and they're misinformed by people who are misinformed by people who are misinformed. Right. And, and then after that, some years later, I started hanging out with Chad and them. And, and and watching people on, on on a national level that were affecting change, and and it made me realize that there are people who understand change. I didn't think that anybody understood, and and I went to uh, this is in Virginia, and sitting on a panel of experts, of developing a theory of engagement and all that kind of stuff, and I was saying to myself, these people know. They actually know what what everybody thinks they don't know. And knowing is only half the battle. And it's, cha- it's the real work and the change and, and the cultural change that happens on the ground and, and how you partner with other people, with your staff and, and with the people that work under you so that the change that's in your heart becomes something that's in their minds and hearts as well, right? And so that's one of the things that I really just want to say thank you to you guys. Again, for all the work you do and have done and and just for everything, it is such a very, very big deal. And I remember when we did the ODR project and we first started working with the co-responder thing and uh, the GCIC interface and all that and all the red tape. and, And today you guys have cut through that tape and are doing that. Let me ask you a question. What are some of the things that you've seen as a result of those those co-responder models and a result of some of the changes that are happening above the rim? What what are some of the results that you've seen so that the people out there can understand what co-responder model means and what it means in terms of change for people who are on the ground?
3: So for for us, and, and, I, and I'm a firm believer that every whether it's a police department or a sheriff's office needs to set up their co-responder model to meet the needs and the demands of their individual community. Um, I, I don't believe it should be a cookie cutter approach. so for for Conyers, uh, when we decided that we were going to implement a co- you know implement this co-responder program, we worked very closely with Chad, Uh, and his staff at Viewpoint uh, to create that. So for a typical uh, response, when a call comes in uh, to the police department, usually through the 911 center, uh, that call is triaged and all of our dispatchers have been trained to properly screen calls for those that are, whether it's a suicidal ideation or other type of mental health crisis, and if it's a police matter, a police officer is automatically dispatched. So this just, let's say there's no mental health component that's there. It's just a police officer. But then they also screen for mental health. If there is a component that's there, both a police officer and a clinician, mental health clinician, are dispatched at the same time. So that is uh, that is a huge change for us uh, because we get that resource on the way, and then there are uh, there are times to where a police officer is not even needed, and those are just those calls that are a clinician would be responding out to, and so one of the that I mean that's a huge change for us because that's being processed by our nine one one center, and so it, for our call numbers for twenty twenty one, we had almost one we had. 1260 calls for service that were directly related to someone who was in mental health crisis or there was a mental health component that was there. So through all of our, our screening 66 of those calls did not even get a police officer response. It was they were screened out and that that's that's a crucial part of what we're trying to do is trying to let the experts Our clinicians handle those calls without the need for law enforcement. Inadvertently, you know, even though all of our police officers are crisis intervention trained, sometimes the mere presence of a police officer escalates the situation. So we try whenever possible for safety of those in crisis, family, and our responders and our officers to eliminate the need for a police officer to be on scene. And that's, uh, that's the type of change that we're looking at uh, with the addition of our second clinician that we hope to get on board um, sometime soon. We've, we've already got that approved. We're hoping to, to elevate those numbers of, of deferrals of the police so that we don't even have to go on scene. And what that does is it allows the clinician or if it's a dual response of a police officer and a clinician to make those decisions about what is best for that individual. Uh, whether it's to be, you know, taken to another facility to to defer to a later time for crisis counseling, whatever that may be. The end goal is to make sure that obviously everyone is safe, but to also keep people from being arrested and getting them in the criminal justice system, which can cause problems. And so, I mean, that's, that's a huge change for us. We could not have done it without Chad and his team. And we're looking to make additional changes. As we move into 22, uh, but uh, it's it's been a phenomenal
1: success on our side. Yes, absolutely, and and you know that's something that I hear a lot, man. Chad and his team, man, that that's a big deal. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's a big deal. I'm, I'm trying to interview for a spot on that team. It's like trying to get on the Lakers. <laughs> but well, anyway. and, and and one of the things too, and, and I have I have to give Chad and,
3: and his team, as you say, a, a, you know. Uh, A lot of credit because when we decided to do the co-responder program, they actually participated and helped rewrite our departmental standard operating policies and procedures so that, you know, it's kind of one of those situations. We're not the mental health experts as the police. Let's let them write our SOP for us. And they were instrumental in doing that. And effectively changing the culture in which we handle those those types of crisis calls.
1: You're you're absolutely right. So let me ask you a question, Chad, because you probably have the answer for this. And Scott, you mentioned it. It's something that I've, I've been looking at for many years. And, and I remember shaking hands with Sam Cochran and being at CIT here, there, there, and there. And I think that CIT is an incredible program. Incredible program. And... and I know that CIT has so many strengths. It it is a situation that um, reduces the potential for a lot of things, and it increases the opportunity for a lot of good things. And some of the best minds in the world have wrapped around it and come up with, you know, kind of improvements, improvements. And there's one thing that the little guy like me on the ground that I'm looking at, and I can't understand why they can't see this part, because I think that probably seventy percent of all police departments have been trained in CIT by now. You know what I'm saying? Every I don't think there's a police department on earth that hasn't heard of it by now. All right, and uh-huh. I hope I would hope right. And this is what I don't understand: how many people? Because I think that nine one one is pretty much programmed into the DNA of our human beings today little kids call 911 when they're 2 years old right and, and or probably sooner right i wonder how many people regular humans know about cit how many regular human beings know about cit and why not so chad answer that question for me chad how many human beings on earth because i know you got all the data <laughs> and statistics how many human beings we'll just go with the united states right know about CIT all right, united. and why
2: not so the uh research shows that only 2.3 percent know about see it, you know, make it. I'm making that up, Bill. <laughs> but I am
1: really impressed. The, I, 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 I'm like, Can't. yeah, yeah.
2: Tanisha's like, Tanisha's like, wait a minute, we didn't even <laughs> practice that question. And, he already,
0: uh,
2: and, 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 and here's the funny part: if we go Google that, it'd be funny if it was actually like two percent. It is but
0: something I, like I, that.
2: Yeah, but you you probably are right that fifty to sixty percent, you know, maybe around there for law enforcement. Um, I think in the law enforcement community, you probably are correct that most know about it. Uh, we still have jurisdictions and precincts we work in not in not in Conyers, Conyers. guy has most of his people uh, trained, but we still work in precincts where the majority are not trained in CIT. They know about it, but they're not trained. I, I think I think you asked the second question of um, you know, okay, so a lot of people don't know about it, and, and why not? Um, One is because um, it's one of those things that they probably don't want to know about. Um, um, They don't really need to to know about it from their perspective. They think, like you just said, I call 911. That's it. What they want to know is the end outcome. If I call 911 and somebody responds, at the end of the outcome, not all the training that went into it, but at the end of the outcome, did that person get the care and was the outcome there that needed to be there? Uh, that's what legislators care about. That's what they're talking to us all the time. They look at outcomes. They want a return on their investment. That's what people in the community are looking at. If Scott and Chad go out and respond to a 911 call, did that person get the care they need to get better? And mm-hmm. There's all that training that went on, but most people just care about the end result, to be honest with you. And that's probably true for most, most fields.
1: Right. And, and so that's where Tanisha and I, Tanisha as the creative marketing consultant, and me as the messaging guru, right, that's where it just, it just really, it, it's interesting for us, is <laughs> because if we got this incredible thing and people don't know how to use it, then is it the people's fault? You follow me? And it's not our fault, but it is if we don't do something now about it. You follow me? Well, and, yeah, and I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll
2: give you an example. And I'll brag on Scott a little bit because Scott not only talked about change, but Scott Freeman is also a change agent. Yes. So he's a he's a champion of change. He's not yes. just someone that's going to go along with change for change's sake, but is a champion of that change. So, um, when when Scott when we first did this in Conyers, 17 months ago, we had one co-respondent. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, uh, the the there's another county that just voted. Their county commission just voted you unanimous to add six more clinicians. So so in in 15, 16 months, we've gone from one, and you heard Scott say we'll have two now with his -hmm. department. Um, We've now gone for two, and now we have 14 different positions. So Mm -hmm. this thing has grown from one county, one city, to other counties, other city. We're looking at Decatur right now. We're in Norcross. We just landed Norcross. Mm -hmm. The reason that happened is law enforcement talked to each other. Yes. and Scott talks to other law enforcement. I would run into other chiefs, and they say, "Yeah, I already talked to uh, Chief Freeman. I already talked to." You. I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, Scott get around. There you go. But he's a champion of change. He's a change agent. So mm-hmm. he is not only saying, "Okay, this is my little thing. I'm gonna keep for me," but let me tell you all the outcome. Mm-hmm. And all these departments don't care about the training and this and this mm-hmm. and Chad this and Chad's resume and and our staff. All they care about is Scott said it works. Yes. And they go, I, w- I want some of that. And so yes. he, it's, not just, it's not just doing the change, but he's a champion of change. And because of that, we've expanded from just, as I said, Congress, and now we're other counties. And other-
0: it is our extreme pleasure to have such strong community partners, such as Viewpoint Health, to join us in our journey to recovering individuals as well as systems and procedures. Viewpoint Health offers an array of services and resources for individuals with mental health challenges, substance use challenges, as well as intellectual and developmental disabilities. To connect with them, please visit their website at www.myviewpointhealth.org or you can call 678-209-2411. Yeah, and, and I think and, and to the point, and
1: this is my point that I'm trying to make, I believe that it's incumbent upon us being change agents and, and understanding the, the very essence of what I'm talking about. The people who are picking up the phone need to know that if I say I want a CIT officer, that they need to understand that, that will exponentially improve several things about that experience a it will it'll definitely affect the possibility of the outcome, and everybody has this fear based outcome so if they can understand that it, it'll affect that it also informs the the responders as to the facts just by definition it is now baked into it right and and so that reduces the lack of knowing and 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 so I just wonder how can we as messengers create a messaging concept and platform that will get that out there. You know what I mean? And and I'm willing to, and Tanisha is willing to, create the green screen opportunity, or we can get the county to do it. I don't care who does it or who's most professional, but we can create some messaging so that we can start to distribute it to let them know what 911 does. What 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 you know? C.I.T. And, and build, does. And,
3: build you, and to your point, you know that's one of the things that we struggle with uh, in in policing in general is getting that message out. Whether it's through social media, whether it's you know Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, the you know Channel Twenty Three through Rockdale, Facebook, every, D, all of the above. It, I think it's a it's a totality of getting the message out. To help yes. people understand, because when we go through the CIT training part for for law enforcement, that is one of the things that people who do have someone who is in uh, is prone to having mental health issues. They explain to them, um, or they tell us that part of one of the things that they tell people is when you call nine one one, tell them you want a CIT trained officer. Um, and so, but we rarely get that. That's not the reality of the policing exactly. world we live in, most of the time, by time 911 is called, everybody yes. on scene is in crisis, not just the individual who's having the mental health issue. Um, and so we get a lot of um, gaps in information coming through with our 911, mm-hmm. which for us, part of one of the things that we did work with, uh, we rewrote all of our call taking uh, questions that our 911 operators go through. All of our 911 operators have gone through uh, CIT for 911 and they're going through the officer's course as well. Mm -hmm. And so we we, we usually roll into those with a information gap that is significant. And the more information that we have as the police is when we respond, the better off we can more effectively handle the situation and also get the appropriate people on the way like our, our clinicians. Um, and so any any avenue method, whether it's, you know, Facebook or smoke signals, whatever yes, yeah. will work to get the message out is probably, um, you know, will be on board. I know that will okay. be on board as well. Um, okay. And it doesn't have to be a long, you know, no you know, infomercial. It can be yes, yes. tweets, you know, snaps, whatever it may be just to get the message out.
1: Yeah, so and to that point, we're going to start working on something right away. And so we'll be looking forward to your support. And Tanisha will put it together, and it'll be something quick, it'll be something effective, and it'll be something that'll really let people know because it's something that needs to be almost distributed door to door. Something that everybody needs to have an opportunity to see. So, with that being said, I want to thank you for y'all solving part of the problems of our entire world. So, another thing that I wanted to say is that you guys are changing the world, and and I know that you guys are good guys, and you don't leave your house in the morning with your super suit on saying, I'm so-and-so, I'm going to change the world. It's just become part of what you do, but I I want to make sure that we let you know that you are, that you are instrumental in changing the face of recovery and how, how people perceive recovery. Right, partnering with Chad and his team on the the uh, ODR model, and uh, which has a co-responder thing built into it. Yeah. Taking programming into the jail, which is phenomenal. You know what I'm saying? Because I've yeah. I've had a significant amount of time in jail and wasn't no programming. They might have had some Bible tracks and some AA dudes, but it wasn't like recovery like like we're chopping it up. Let me ask y'all this. How has the pandemic, and I know that for us, creating platforms that run 24-7, because we do two recovery groups every day since the March 17th, whatever year that was that the pandemic started, because the years were sort of blurring together now. But I know that for us, it was an advantage because everybody else hauled ass and gave us a chance to really put the work in and, and to have develop a relationship with people and for people to see our work ethic and our work product. So that way, when everybody came back, and they said, wow, where did that tree come from? Well, we built it while you were gone <laughs> to the boathouse. But anyway, how has the pandemic impacted you personally and impacted your work? I'm gonna start with you, Chad.
2: It impacted me personally, because I got COVID twice.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, but, but Well, I'm a COVID survivor, as they say, Um, and our whole household got it, everything. But yeah, it's impacted. I will say this, and I say this for we actually lost staff recently. We we lost the staff yesterday uh, to to Um, COVID. Great. He's a peer. He was a peer with our surgery treatment team. Great guy. Um, And um, so it it definitely took a personal toll for us. um, and, and gave and gave us the chance too to go out there and and get funding to add to programming. Uh, Bill, I think I've shared this with you before. In in the last, I, I wrote more grants in the last year and a half uh, around the CARES and the ARPA and all the funding attached to that. Uh, in the last year and a half, I wrote more grants than I did in the last eight nine years combined. Um, so the funding came and allowed us to serve more people. And really meet a need. Uh, We had a small emergency housing budget. uh, I'll give you one example. We had a small emergency housing budget of about $17,000. That was it uh, prior to the pandemic. After the pandemic, we spent almost $200,000 on emergency housing, Mm -hmm. uh, pulling that grant. And that's just one aspect of of, of all the services. So it did open up dollars, it opened up avenues for more services, and it did get people more access to care and people recognizing. That mental health is this is a real deal this is we have so we run several new grants, opening up new programs so it did offer that so it had the it had the personal bad as i mentioned we've lost clients and staff that god bless in their families but it also opened up avenues for increased access to care new adventures like we're talking about today
1: Wow. and how about you uh scott how how did it impact you personally and then how did it impact you your your work So, yeah, and,
3: you know, I've lost two uh, friends as well to to COVID. Um, Like Chad, I've had it twice, even though I've been vaccinated and boosted. um, The most recent one in December. So uh, really was really concerned um, about my parents getting it. Uh, You know, COVID can just decimate families. But, you know, that's on the personal level. You know, at the police department, we've really changed a lot of how we operate. We we rolled out... uh, online incident reporting as uh, to keep our officers from coming into contact with people unnecessarily. Uh, but it, you know, I would have to, to, to piggyback off with what Chad said, it's opened a lot of resources from on his side that have benefited as far as housing, getting those resources in place, because I think that the pandemic has really brought some level in certain areas of society, Uh, A little more of an understanding of humanity and the ills that face us, Uh, especially, you know, because you see, you know, I saw them this morning. Hospitals are overflowing. Um, There's a lot of different issues that have been brought to light that I believe that, you know, uh, people will start to work on. I know that, you know, from the viewpoint side, from the police side, from the county side through stepping up. There's a lot of different things that we have seen as weaknesses that we've identified and how we have traditionally done things, which kind of goes back to that, the needed change that is uh, is has been identified. And so I think it, there has been a catalyst part of uh, the pandemic that has forced a lot of us to get outside yes. our normal paradigm, get into a new paradigm and, and to really focus in on the things that... Will work, and the things that we see is uh, I know it's empowered me and the police department to make some changes along the way, and I feel that there are other areas that are are following suit. And so, you know, uh, you know, for, for 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 as bad as it has been, and it's you know decimated the the you know people's lives and family. Um, I hope that there is some glimmer of hope. Change mm-hmm. is going to be positive for the long term. Especially in the realm of uh, both mental health
1: and recovery uh, on on those sides. Yeah, wow, that's incredible. And, and so, and Scott, since you mentioned it, the stepping up initiative. <laughs> so let me ask you this as the project developer for the stepping up initiative, I know nobody knows that's what I do. I think everybody just thinks I ride around and talk <laughs> shit. But anyway, as a project developer for the stepping up initiative, I know that a couple of years when I walked in here, and And I was sitting down with my fearless leader, and she was telling me that they have been doing the stepping up initiative for a minute, and pretty much, right? and And so I asked her,, um, well, what do you want me to do?" And she said, "If I knew that, I wouldn't need you." And so, you know, we started to partner together and we sat at the table and it started out at the at the kitchen table. And now it's a little different. So I want to ask you, because I don't want to tell my own story, but I want you to kind of tell me how has Stepping Up impacted the milieu as you see it and as it impacts you as you interact with it? And I'm going to start with you, Chad.
2: Well, I think for Stepping Up, the way I think it's evolved to me is you have this group of people that uh, if you have if you share a common interest a lot of times people will call those stakeholders and then if you get in together into relationships then you can call them partnerships right so you know like scott and i you know we got to do contracts and everything call partnership. and then there's a level of partnership where you say look i got your back you got my back i'm going to go advocate for you because i believe in you and believe in this and you're going to advocate for me that takes partnership to friendship level. Yeah. And uh, I, w- I was I was in Gainesville on Friday with someone who Scott and I share a common interests. And I said, Hey, let me talk let me tell you about Scott and, and and you really need to do this and we need to meet. And they said, Yeah, we're going I'll get our email, we'll have some coffee with me, you, and Scott. I said, Yeah, and I did that because Scott and I not only have a partnership, but we have a friendship. Yeah. So I, I think I that's how I see stepping up is that it has gotten us closer together, not only a common interest of stakeholders, not only the relationship as partners. But we are now got each other's back. And we really are now moving, keeping our eyes on the prize, moving in that direction. And I see it more as blending friendships.
1: Wow, yes. that's, that's incredible. And what about you, Scott? How do you think stepping up has impacted the milieu as you see it? it
3: and, and, you know, it, it is about the collaboration. Um, I, I look at it from all of the people. You know, we have had up to 80 people sitting in or on a Zoom meeting uh, at one time, and that's just a rough estimate, but I know it's, you know, it's been way on up there. Um, It's that, you know, from the police side, we're not in this fight alone. We have everybody, and it is really an overwhelming amount of people that, you know, from the district attorney's office, from the sheriff's office, uh, Piedmont-Rockdale viewpoint, all of these individuals are on the zoom meetings or in person for stepping up and i think for me when i I see an obstacle i can reach out to someone i know that i'm not in this struggle alone and it's uh we're not just doing this as just as the city of conyers police department we're doing this collectively as a county and there is definitely power in numbers when it comes to this because this is a huge issue to tackle there are yes. a lot of challenges that are still unresolved. There are things that need to be changed, and when those obstacles seem to be insurmountable, you know we can pick up a phone call or uh, refresh that recharge at a stepping up initiative. You know when we look at the SIM, uh, the sequential intercept mapping that we did with UGA, um, you know for me that was a, a benchmark for moving forward because it helped us identify. Our weaknesses but also our strengths and also the partners that were there and so I, for me stepping up has been it's it's been a huge impact that has helped to facilitate change within the department but most importantly it's changing all of the other organizations the departments and the agencies that are serving or potentially could serve rockdale county and that's what it's all about it's not an individual it's not one agency or organization collectively There is a a huge amount of power and strength in those numbers that are attending
0: Stepping Up.
1: Yeah, wow, you're you're absolutely right.
0: We are proud partners of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Rockdale Newton Chapter. NAMI Georgia is an organization of family, friends, and individuals whose lives have been affected by mental challenges. Together, We advocate for better lives for those individuals who have a mental challenge, and we offer support, education, and advocacy as we do so. Please visit the NAMI Georgia website at www.namigeorgia.org And if you are local to the Rockdale-Newton area, we would love to have you join the family. For more information, you can visit www.namirockdellnewton.com or follow their Facebook page at Nami News. And and so, Tanisha, I want to ask you a question.
1: Tanisha, how how does this conversation, I know how it, it does for me, but I just want to get your perspective How has this conversation, how does it impact you? What resonates with you when you're hearing this conversation that we're having here today?
0: I can see the growth for sure. I can see the growth and just like what Chad and what Scott was just saying about the Stepping Up Initiative and how not only did it bring people together, but it also built bonds between, you know, between the organizations and the departments and all of that. I I really, I think the way it really impacts me is being able to see as a person in recovery that you have you have so many different people at the table. You know, we have a representation of everyone and that, you know, I'm in on those meetings. You know, I get to sit at that table. And the reason why that's a really, really good thing is because it helps everybody remember the, the main reason why we're there. You know, every time we put out a champion of recovery video, every time, you know, we have a parent come in there and tell their testimony of how their child was helped and supported and how the stepping up initiative and what we're doing is impacting their lives in the community. It reminds us and it brings us back to why we are doing this. And it just, It's it's amazing to see the growth in the community and how everybody is coming together and really, really working for a good cause. You know, sometimes when you have a certain cause and everybody's on board for it in the beginning, you know, they kind of lose track after a while, but we are constantly reminded of why we do this and it just builds up the momentum even more. So I really just appreciate you guys and everything that you all are doing. I'm sitting over here writing notes and I know we put out a champion of recovery every month in the, um in the newsletter, but you all have made me want to start a section on a champion of change, you know, change agents, the people behind yeah. the scenes that, you know, are doing the work to pave the way so that we can continue to do this for everybody else. So I really, really appreciate it.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that T and, and, you know, for me, I'm going to be honest with you guys, and that that's just something new I've learned here since I've been hanging with Chad, being honest. But anyway, you know, I want to be honest with you guys. For me, I was that thing that challenged those systems. When you left your house feeling all good and spiritual and was ready to do the right thing, I showed up. <laughs> And, and and I knocked the glass out of the lobby in the middle. You know what I'm saying? And stole the coffee pot on the way out. And had all your toilet paper in my backpack already. You know what I'm saying? And and, and, and you know Scott, when I I see you and and I think about today, all the people who wore themselves out chasing me. Now they are captains and majors. You know, just all different kinds of stuff. Now you know what I'm saying? But back in the day when they were chasing me through the bushes and, and I realized that no wonder they were in such good shape because I was out there every day doing something crazy, man. And, and, and nobody could see a solution to that other than this time when you shoot him, hit him. And second of all, don't bring him here, take him straight down there. You know what I'm saying? And, and today, us coming together, Find a solution. Like you said, Scott, if it was a simple equation, hell. They would have they would have solved it a long time ago. It's not. And because everybody used to say it was a meat problem. It's not a meat problem, it's a we problem. And the solution is a we solution. And anything else is not gonna work. Um it's not about money, property, and prestige. It's not. And it's not about personalities. Uh, it's about the human condition and the spiritual condition and and it's about empathy and it's about rights and privilege and change and all that stuff. And you guys are exemplary. I sit in those meetings and and, <laughs> and I jerk your chains all the time, man, because y'all are my fucking people, man. I'm serious. I, I admire you. I respect you. I, I, I see the work that you do. Um, and, and I feel privileged to be with you. The I same feel here. privileged. Same here, I was I was, I was that feeling,
3: on the, that feeling is is very much mutual.
1: Yeah, yes, I I was yes, on the other same. side of this thing, <laughs> and, and and I feel privileged to be here, In in the latter part of my life, I, I there just it couldn't end up any better way. And, and you guys are the champions and, and champions of change, champions of recovery. I want to thank y'all. And speaking of COVID, I got it now, so I do have some experience with it, both mm-hmm. personal. But on a professional level, it gave us an opportunity to really serve people who really need to be served and felt like they needed to be served and even stood still to get served. You know what I'm saying? And and so Mm -hmm. fortunately um, we didn't have any other alternative, but to do our best. Um, And that's a good thing. Anyway, with that being said, I want to thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedule um, to do this. If you, and I'm going to ask you one more question before Tanisha closes us out. If you have one message for all the people that are going to hear the sound of your voice, Scott, what would that message be?
3: The message is, um, you know, Conyers Police, uh, we are we're working to affect change. Uh, that change is going to impact a, a lot of people's lives. Uh, law enforcement is not all about arresting our way out of a problem. We're looking for solutions, uh, work with us. And um, we will have good outcomes. We're affecting change, and we're working with our partners like Viewpoint and the Sheriff's Office to make that change a reality. And people will see that we're not just taught. We are we we are we are putting these things into action when our clinicians show up. That's the change. That is that is it in action.
2: Good stuff.
1: What about you, Tab? What message do you have for all the people out there? In Radio land I, in Radio question. land
2: well I will tell you in Radio land I like how Scott said putting things into action because we uh, when you do that you can create a great system of care but when you put things into action and do what you say you're going to do you become a system from a system of care to a system that cares yeah and that's what we have here We are a system that cares.
1: Yes, the group tab will going to do that. Anyway, Tanisha, can you tell all the people out there at <laughs> Radio Land how they, they're they going to be able to get this message?
0: Absolutely. As always, another week we are inviting everyone to stay connected with us. You can stay connected with us by visiting our website, which is rockdalesteppingup.com If you go to the bottom of that page, there's a Stay Connected tab that will take you to a library of our newsletters. And on those newsletters, you get a a message from Commissioner Doreen Williams talking about the Stepping Up Initiative and everything that we're doing in the Rockdale community. As well as, we have a video every month of the champion of recovery, someone that we have chosen to tell their story and give you a message of, of hope. And then we have several different community resources, recovery resources, and announcements from our communities and our partners. And then we also invite you to. Follow all of the Grit and Grace social media platforms on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, we want to invite you all to keep hearing these messages, the ones just like you're hearing right now. Um, And we air on Wednesday at 12 noon and Thursdays we replay at 1 p.m. on the Cat 10 Entertainment and that is found on the His Hop Network. Also, if you cannot listen at those times, You can listen at your convenience because we're on seven different platforms. We have a podcast. The one like you're listening to right now is called The Recovery Hour. And we're on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and iTunes. So y'all keep coming back.
1: Yay, man. I am so glad I don't have to say that. Anyway, with that being said, Chad. Scott, I want to thank y'all for your time, man. Thank you for everything you. you've ever Absolutely. done. Thank you for the good stuff you did. By thank accident, you. the stuff you ain't even did yet. I want to thank you, man. <laughs> okay, I know that uh, I think on the 26th, Scott's going to be presenting at the steering committee meeting. So there you go. Oh, Come oh, out God. and be amazed. Anyway, thanks, guys. All right.
2: All right. We're praying for you, Bill. Get feeling better.
0: Thank you for tuning in and feeding your recovery with another episode of the Recovery Hour. Remember that you can stay connected with us by following us on Facebook and Instagram at Grit and Grace RCO or just keep coming back every Wednesday at 12 noon. Until then, and as always, cherish the chips you hold.